This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week, two fantastic human beings and two spectacular, amazing comic book gods. <laughs> this week, I am joined by Brian Murray. Hello. Paul Jaceley. Hello. Mark Casilli. Hi. And Dominic Archer. Hello. Thank you all for joining me this week. I know we, we don't normally have this many people on the show, but this is a huge, fantastic moment for us. We're going to be talking to Dominic and Mark about a comic that they have coming out called A Boxer later in the second half of the show. But for right now, we're going to do the thing that we do every single week, and I'm going to ask the questions that I need answered. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Brian. Uh, I've been really good. Um, I'm going to forgo Michigan Weather Watch just for the sake of expediency. And <laughs> Thank get you. right into uh, what I've read. Uh, this morning, I finally dug back through my backlog and read uh, issues 5 through 12 of Life is Strange. Uh, that's the uh, video game tie-in from Emma Viacelli, uh, Claudia Lenardi on uh, lines, and Andrea Izzo on mm-hmm. colors. Um, after months and months of buying these, I finally sat down and read them, and it was uh, a satisfying story. Um, I think that for people who are not a fan of the game, it might not necessarily be. But if mm-hmm. you if you like me are, you know, perhaps unhealthily obsessed with these characters, uh, I definitely think you get what you get your money's worth out of this book. Gotcha. I, I was wondering if there was going to be a moment in that series where it eventually veered off to you have to have played the video games to really enjoy this series. Yeah, I mean, you can certainly understand the comic without reading it, um, but it is it's all about the relationships between these characters, and so if you don't have a strong investment in those relationships uh, i can imagine that these comics might not necessarily build that for you as well as the game did very nice now brian uh, brian uh what what about someone who has no idea what this video game is uh could you give us the elevator pitch um sure so life is strange is about a young woman at a uh, we'll call it an art school who discovers that she can rewind time, and she does so by accidentally saving her best friend from being murdered in the school bathroom. Okay. Um, And from there, we have uh, some time travel, some alternate timeline type stuff. Things get messy as time travel is wont to do. (laughs) Right, right. It's regular teen (laughs) stuff, really. Yeah. Yeah, just girl stuff, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Well, um, yeah, I... (laughs) I, I was wondering, like I said, how how far you'd gotten this series. This, so is this an ongoing series now? They moved from like a limited series to ongoing, or is this like the end of the run? Uh, so this is the end of the current series uh, with issue 12, but there okay. is going to be another, uh, I think it's called Life is Strange, Partners in Time, which is a joke from the game, comes out gotcha. in April, I think. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Uh, well... Paul, what about you? How have you been? How have comic books been? I promise, Mark, Dominic, we're going to get to you guys. I, we just we got to get through this kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very impatient. <laughs> I'll make it quick. Um, uh, things are good on my end. Uh, nothing too, um, nothing really to report uh, personally, but um, I did manage to read a bunch of comics over this weekend, which is pretty nice. Um, I finally read Dial H for Hero Volume 1, Into the Heroverse. This collects the first six issues of the recent Dial H for Hero series. I had bought the first issue of this back when it came out last year, and I think I even talked about it on the show, how much I enjoyed it. You know, as mm-hmm. it is, I mm-hmm. forgot to put it on my pull list, so I fell way behind and uh, eventually had to basically catch up by grabbing the digital collection. 
Um, and I kind of feel bad I wasn't buying it month to month because it's a really fucking good comic. Um, mm-hmm. If, if mm-hmm. you're familiar with uh, the Dial H concept, the idea is that it's um, a magical sort of uh, group or no magical sort of uh, um, rotary phone dial. And if you dial hero on it, you turn into a superhero for an hour. It's a random superhero. And this series follows a, a teenager named Miguel Montez who finds the eight dial the H dial and is being chased through the hero verse by the former owner of the H dial who wants it back. Um, what's great about it is like the idea of becoming a superhero. They make all these imaginary superheroes up, but they're all clearly references to other characters and the art by uh, Joe Quijones. He m- manages to mimic the art styles of the different series that these characters are from. Right. So in the first issue, he turns into a, a monster truck-based superhero, but it's drawn like a uh, Rob Liefeld character, right? <laughs> Wait, so there's pouches everywhere on a car? Is that yeah, what exactly. I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, then later on in the series, <laughs> no feet ever, just wheels, right? They're easier to draw. Um, and the uh, later on in the series, uh, his um, friend that he's sort of traveling with, uh, Summer, she turns into a Mike Allred-inspired sort of madman-type character. Um, there's a brief interlude where... Uh, Miguel shows up in a Daniel Klaus looking comic for no reason. You know, not really superhero, wow. just shows up in a book that looks like Daniel Klaus. So there's so many little visual little Easter eggs and things that make it a really fun read. And it's one of those things that I read it digitally. And as soon as I was done, I said, I'm going to buy this uh, physically when it comes out in a nice big collection because it's going to be fun to go mm-hmm. back and look at all these pages, you know, and see all that stuff. So I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. Very cool. So in, this is the same artist on the whole run? Mm hmm. That is that is impressive. Yeah, it, yeah, it's like I said, Joe Quijones, uh, Jordan Gibson on colors. There is an inker who helps out on some of that stuff, and I'm I, I blanking on their name. I, I forgot to grab it, but um, sorry, Mark, we're really sorry about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. No, but it, it's a really fun series, and you don't even really have to know that much about the uh, H dial and Dallas for Hero as a historical concept. It's one of my favorite sort of wacky DC concepts. So to have it, you know, done this way again is really fun. So very cool. Yeah. Um, I also briefly want to mention, I finally read the first volume of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen about uh, 20 years late, you know? So uh, it's one of those books that's always been on my to-read list. I finally was able to read it thanks to the miracle of Hoopla, the digital library um, service there. So uh, I really like this type of Alan Moore story. Um, I know there's a ton of literary illusions I'm missing out on, but cutting out all the sort of metatextual complexity and just making a fun team-up story, I really appreciated that. And uh, Kevin, no- Kevin, O'Neill's, Kevin O'Neill's art is uh, fantastic. It's a really beautiful looking book. I'm excited to go back and read the rest of it after finishing this first volume. So, Some, Somewhere out in the universe, Nick White's ears are burning right now. And <laughs> right. He wants to have yeah. a conversation with you about this. <laughs> I, I bet, uh, well, yeah. very cool. Well, you know, finally, let, let's move on. Let's talk to our, our very special guest. We had to talk about comics really quick, but now let, let's quickly talk to you, Mark and Dominic. Could you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves? I guess, Mark, let's start with you. How have you been? How have comic books been? What have you been reading? And could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I'm here in Brazil right now, which is where I'm from, and I worked in film for a while. But comics were always my my first passion, and at some point I just decided to go for it and started really working on comics. On so writing and drawing my own comics. And at one point I was living in Amsterdam, and I was looking for a place to continue studying comics. So I went to the University of Dundee in Scotland, which is where I met Dom. And uh, there they have a great uh, master's program in comics, uh, which is what both of us did. 
and then we became friends and started making comics together. And I also do my own my own stuff, which is more uh, uh, personal, create our own stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, so I've been back here for two years, and I'm putting out some comics that are only in Portuguese right now. Mm-hmm. But I do plan on translating them to English and bringing them abroad in the near future. And uh, I've been trying to read everything. I, I try to keep up with things that are coming out in the States. Uh, but also, I've been reading a lot of Brazilian comics uh, because we have a really strong scene. So most of the comics I've been reading right now are Brazilian. But I have been reading... So uh, the latest one I picked up was My Favorite Thing is Monsters. Mm. Oh, nice. Which was released by Fantagraphics, I think, two years ago and came out last year here. And I'm really enjoying it. And... Uh, as, as far as uh, monthly comics, um, I really like X Men and like the current run and mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy Olsen. Um, you were talking about uh, like DC wacky stuff, and that's yeah. just just the ticket. <laughs> I, I, I I love uh, both of the creators in that book, and then yeah. it's it's a uh, it's a fantastic book. Yeah, that's a really fun book. Yeah. Yeah, that's I've been meaning to. I've, I picked up all the single issues, but I haven't read it. So maybe this is a kick in the pants to actually sit down and do it. <laughs> and read those books. Um, very cool. That's my favorite Batman so far. Like of of the res- recent ten years, I think his Batman is my my favorite. Yeah, interesting. Gotcha. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> uh, and Dominic, what about you? Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? What you've been reading? How you've been? What it's like where you're living, you know, all that stuff. We do weather watches on the show, whatever you're into. <laughs> well, you guys are in for uh, for some real bad luck because I live in Moscow, and, oh. <laughs> uh, and let me tell you, it's it's really not great. Um, but then I, I think you said you guys are from Michigan, so maybe we're yeah. not. You know, we're, we're not far off. Probably <laughs> not, yeah. not too different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm from the UK. Um, I used to be a teacher in in China and Hong Kong and Turkey, and now I live in Russia. And as Mark said, we did the master's degree in comics and graphic novels together. Um, and really, the only reason that I teach is because comic books are pretty expensive to make, and uh, teaching is yeah is a good way of, of earning the money to make books. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and you know you get to freeze your balls off in Russia. So, you know, it all, it all kind of works out. <laughs> but at the moment, uh, I, as uh, Mark was saying, I've been really enjoying the Jonathan Hickman's X-Men run. I haven't enjoyed so many of the tie-ins. Um, I find Excalibur to be personally quite insulting because mm. it's just uh, the Captain... I, I, if it's not Alan Moore writing Captain Britain, I find it very difficult to, uh, to, to get it. And now that they... Yesterday or two days ago, they announced this team, the Union, which is like the new British Avengers team out of Marvel. Um, And Scottish people, let me tell you, Scottish people were not happy with this announcement. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you saw, I don't know how much you saw on Twitter, but... It's like every Scottish comics creator I know is like, I can't believe you'd call it the Union. We're having another referendum. We're going to be leaving the Union. We don't want to be on your superhero team. I and see. I, I see. Yeah. So, here, and, here. And then, so you're, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. As like, yeah. As, as a Scottish independence man, Mark is, uh, is, is following them all the way. But yeah, yes. it's difficult. It's a difficult situation because you're not creating a post-Brexit uh, superhero series and mm-hmm. not 
making it about like what it means to be a part of that union right so like there's going to be critique in it it's just having the patience to read it you would hope um but what what i've been reading at the moment the most is the darkness um the old the original run of the darkness by garth ennis and mark silvestri mm-hmm. from like the mid the mid uh, the mid 90s because at the moment top cow uh, the idw imprint uh, sorry, the image imprint. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, they have a every year. I think they do a writing competition for new talent, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and the the writing talent is write an issue, a one shot issue of the darkness. And the dark, mm-hmm. he's not a character that I'm that familiar with. And so they have like a bunch of recommended reading. So I've been checking that out and thinking, can I write this? And after reading, <laughs> after reading about two years worth, I've decided yes, I think I probably can. Nice. Um, it's it's really weird to read because Garth Ennis and Mark Silvestri are both just like the some of the defining creators of like the last twenty years. Mm-hmm. But the early book, the the early books suck, and Mark, <laughs> like Mark Silvestri's art sucks. And I'm looking at it like, what is this? I don't. Um, yeah, so that's actually been really interesting for me um, to to see this work by great creators that I'm reading going, actually, these guys weren't, you know, they, not everything they did was a home run. So that's been mm-hmm. that's been interesting. Interesting. Wowzer. Well, um, I, you know, all of our Mark Silvestri fans out there, they're going to they're going to be real mad about this, this <laughs> episode. I just want no, you to know. No, it's great. He's great. He's great. <laughs> Uh, he's great. It's just that this work, this work in particular was just there are like panels that are clearly in the wrong place, and it's just mm. like the way that the pages are structured. It doesn't feel like uh, an expert who's on the top of his game. It kind of feels like oh, he's got talent, and you know, here, that Mark Silvestri, he'll get there, right? He'll, gotcha. he'll yeah. get there one day. You know, gotcha. It's funny because I I I love Mark Silvestri's art, but I don't think it's ever been as good as his original run on the X-Men, which I think mm. is fantastic. Hmm. You know, I, I'm, you know, it, it's, it's funny. I'm, I'm a huge X-Men fan. I just have such, I have a gap of so much knowledge from like that era of X-Men, which I, everyone that I think they hear, they, they gasp and they fall over, um, cause they can't <laughs> believe it. But, um, you see, this is more of it. Now I got to try more of this stuff because this is what happens on the show. People come on, they tell me about stuff. I'm like, okay, well, screw all my new comics. I got to read all this backlog stuff. So <laughs> I appreciate the suggestions. Um, but I did actually, you know, to, for me, I mean, I've been I've been busy nonstop trying to make this show work. But on top of that, I did have have time to sit down to read some comics, and I picked this up on a whim. I saw, I think Lonnie Nadler tweeted about it. It's his new book that just came out from. Um, uh, action or not action lab animosity not animosity that's that same <laughs> aftershock it all, everything starts with an a aftershock yes. comics this is undone by blood number one or undone by blood or the shadow of a wanted man number one zach thompson and lonnie nadler with art by sammy cavella colors by jason wordy sammy cavella you may re- recognize the name they did work on the abbott or on abbott the book that uh saladin ahmed did fantastic series mm-hmm. i love the art in that series um, I did not think that Cavella could do better than that they did in Abbott, and here we are with Undone by Blood number one. And our, basically, the story is our protagonist, Ethel, finds herself in her hometown of Sweetheart, Arizona, on a mission to find the man who murdered her family. It's a simple premise. It feels like a Western, because it's just a Western. The, the thing that sold me on this book was, I think Lonnie Nadler, he had tweeted... I've got this new book out. It's just a Western. It's not a Western with zombies. It's not a Western Mm. in a different time Mm -hmm. space. It's not a Western with a twist. It's not a Western in space. 
It's just a Western. And I'm all for that. I watched The Mandalorian, and I decided, this is all I want. Westerns. Just give me a Western. <laughs> yes. I'm going to be 56 yeah. years old recreating like a, some boomer's lifestyle where they all they do is sit down and watch <laughs> Western movies all day. Because for some reason, that connects in my head. I just love it. And really, this issue was just a straight old Western. You know, Ethel, she finds herself in this town. She meets all the weird yokels. She's got this tarnished history. She, it feels like when the when the lone cowboy comes to town and they've got revenge on their mind, it's fantastic. Um, Cavella's art was amazing. I think the most interesting part of this story was the way that Cavello was able to work with Wordy to switch between the two stories that are happening in the series as... As Ethel is traveling throughout the city, she's also reading this book that's called The Shadow of a Wanted Man. And so we switch between present day and that book. And the art style is, I don't want to say drastically different, but it is very subtly different. And like you read a whole page of this Western story and you go, whoa, this is a totally different book. It feels, got, it's got a totally different feel to it. And then you switch back to the present. Like it's, it's really interesting the way they were able to do things with just subtle color changes. Because I don't think Cavella like tried to draw things any differently. It's just like washing of pages of different colors and like the way they choose to highlight some colors over others depending on if you're in the book or out of the book uh i was really impressed with this this series overall so i you know finished the number one hit subscribe on comiXology and i'm all for reading this western stuff because apparently that's my thing now i just i'm loving it (laughs) (laughs) um but anyways let's uh let's talk about comic books that are coming out this upcoming week or in the near future um because comic books are dropping on february 19th 2020 what are you guys excited for this week? I'm going to pitch it back over to you, Brian. Sure. Um, so I'm looking forward to, and this is going to be a weird one for followers of the show because it's a DC book. Whoa. Um, Brian, you DC? I know. Uh, we've got Deceased Unkillables number one coming out. This is uh, the same writer, Tom Taylor, with uh, Carl Mostert and uh, Trevor Scott doing art. And I had a surprising amount of fun with the DC Stark, especially because it did what DC almost never does, which is tell a story where you don't need to have read 35 years of back issues to understand who the hell these people are and what they're doing. Uh, I went in pretty much knowing that, yeah, Darkseid is a bad guy. And uh, <laughs> that, that was enough groundwork to get me through this book. Um, so what Unkillables is doing is kind of telling another story in that same sequence of events. Uh, this time, instead of focusing on, you know, Superman and Mr. Miracle and all them, we're focusing on some of the more street-level villains. So it's like Deathstroke and Red Hood and uh, their team as they attempt to survive, I guess, through the, the deceased events. Well, as someone who's found himself completely out of the DC loop... Um, over the you know more so than usual could you tell me about what deceased really is because all i know is that it's the zombie series or something is that what's going on with that series yeah so it's basically uh dark side gets his hands on cyborg and manages to he thinks reconstruct the anti-life equation and what he winds up with is actually sort of a fucked up uh corrupted version of the anti-life equation sure that turns him into a zombie and so he throws himself into a pit on his crazy fire planet Mm -hmm. Uh, but the equation is already being broadcast and so anybody with a screen is essentially at risk of turning into a zombie and nowadays kids in their screens they just don't get (laughs) off them turn them off go outside play baseball kid um (laughs) yeah listen to listen to granddad western about that yeah yeah (laughs) 
Brian, I want to say hearing you talk about dark side and the anti-life equation warms my heart so much because that's very much my shit. So I, <laughs> I, I really like the DC arc. I, the idea of them DC trying to copy the Marvel zombies thing, I wasn't sold on until I realized they were tying it into dark side, the anti-life equation. And that hooked me and I ended up really liking that series. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this one as well. Very cool. Well, Paul, what about you? What are you excited for this upcoming um, week? I'm excited for a DC book, obviously. Uh, Wonder Woman, Dead <laughs> Earth number two. This is the Daniel Warren Johnson uh, post-apocalyptic Wonder Woman story. I don't know. There's a, yeah. there's a weird trend lately where I've been really into post-apocalyptic superhero fiction. Like uh, this, uh, the Batman story that Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo recently did, The Last Night on Earth. Um, that type of stuff I, I'm really digging. And really the star of this book is Daniel Warren Johnson's art. Like it's so wonderful. And this is one mm-hmm. of the black label books that DC's doing where it's oversized. It's like a magazine sized comic, which I know is annoying because you can't fit it into your long box. But this, this is <laughs> this story and this artwork deserves that size page. Like it's one of the few examples of that format where I think, yeah, it needs to be this big, you know, uh, for a reason, because Warren's mm-hmm. sort of artwork, there's certain like pages or double page spreads where you just will, it, it, it's so um, uh, evocative of that mood of this, of this post-apocalyptic wasteland and the, the action sequences. I mean, if you've read any of his other work, like um, uh, Murder Falcon, you know what you're going to get with big fight sequences with his artwork. So he's become, he's really oh, yeah. become one of my favorite artists uh, in the past few months. So seeing him do a big two book, uh, Wonder Woman like this is pretty amazing for him. So I'm excited to see this, this book. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, this I read number one. It floored me. I was blown away. I love it. Um, well, Dominic, Mark, you guys have any books that you're excited for that are coming out in the near future? I do know about one comic that's coming out this week that uh, I'll probably pick up, which is uh, the new issue of Daredevil. Because mm. uh, I'm, I'm enjoying Chip Zdarsky's run so far. Uh, the artist is going to be Jorge Fornes, and I love his art. It reminds me a lot of uh, David Mazzuccelli's art. And yeah. that guy is my favorite superhero artist of all time, probably. So I, I love the stuff he was doing on Batman. And now he's doing a few uh, Daredevil issues every now and then. And every time he does, I pick up those issues because they're, they're great, great uh, art, great storytelling. And, uh, and I really enjoy... Chip Starsky's writing most of the time, so it's a it's a really solid book when they they're together. Yeah, that's that. I I've, I'm always hesitant on Zdarsky, and I don't know why. I, I mentioned this on our show like a couple episodes ago, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know what it is about Chip Zdarsky. I just don't. For some reason, I don't ever want to try his books, and then as soon as I do, I love it. So I, I don't know what the hesitation is, but I always hesitate on his books. <laughs> I, yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about that Daredevil run, and I don't buy a lot of Marvel books, but I might have to track this one down because everyone that's read it like raves about it. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd recommend it. And there's another book I don't know where when it's coming out but it was recently announced so maybe not for a couple months but uh it's dead dog's bite by tyler boss who did mm-hmm. the art on uh four kids walking to a bank and i really like his art so i've been following him and i don't know much about the story but it seems to be like a, a mystery story which i dig and the art's looking really good so i'm i'm keeping my eye out for that gotcha i i didn't know that he had a book coming out that's exciting um uh, Dominic, what about you? What are you excited for in the upcoming week or so? 
Yeah, I'm going to kind of build off of what all you guys have been saying because a <laughs> new a new DC title is something that I'm really looking forward to. Nice. Um, yeah, the the last one I I sat down and read it with some friends and we were like all watching movies and you know doing other stuff and i read all of deceased and then passed the laptop to my friend and he read it all then he passed it to the next person and read it all and then the three of us just sat there why we didn't just read it together i don't know but that was just yeah that was just the way that it went so yeah tom taylor is what's really amazing about tom taylor is that he's not on one of the main titles but Mm -hmm. he captures everything about the characters that you're supposed to capture and he does it in the way that you understand like it's an honest representation a true representation it's not like there's been a lot of stuff about captain america online like someone messing up a captain america uh characterization but tom taylor just like hits the nail on the head with all of the characterization so yeah Mm -hmm. anything he does i'm looking forward to um then uh I'm afraid I have to stab Mark a little bit in the back now. Um, <laughs> oh, because no. me, yeah, yeah. Because me and Mark have been talking for a long time about the David Mazzuccelli artist edition on of Daredevil Born Again. Um, yeah, mm. Born Again. And uh, we've both been wanting to get it for a long time. And then the Artisan edition came out and it was a lot more affordable because the Artist edition is the big, like you guys were saying about the oversized one. It's yeah. like the, it's all of Mazzuccelli's original pencils and uh, it's oh, wow. really expensive. Yeah, it's really expensive to get, but it's the most beautiful thing in, in the world. And I had a copy of it at Christmas. I ordered it on eBay and then PayPal said, well, you know, of course you can't do that. You're in Russia. And so oh, you can't no. <laughs> you can't use PayPal in Russia. Are you crazy? So I lost it. And I spent the last three months fighting PayPal, like every day emailing again and again and again. And they gave in. They broke down two days ago and I got it. And it's on its way. Hooray! And, it's, and, and now and Mark wow. doesn't have it. That, that was good when you, when you told me about that. so so i i did promise i said i said to mark when um when we win the eisner award for whichever book we win the eisner award for (laughs) i'll buy him his own copy i'll I'll do it but yes it's uh it's a ridiculous investment but it's like the most beautiful book ever so well Thanks to PayPal, I finally ordered that, and I could order the hardcover of the House of X, Power of X, together. Nice. Yes, which I I couldn't order before because it just it wasn't it couldn't be delivered. So uh, yeah, that's on its way now, and that's really good. That's what I'm looking forward to. Very cool. Nice. Very cool. Well, for me, I I am excited about a Marvel book. We're doing Marvel versus DC this week on Irie Comic Books. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is Marauders number eight. This is by G- uh, Gary Dugan, art by Stefano Caselli. Uh, this is the comic that I can't stop reading, but I have the most problems with of all of the X Men spinoffs. I mean, ev- this is everyone's favorite, from what I hear on the internet. Everybody that I talk to go, Mike, you don't like the Marauders, and it's like it's okay. I'm allowed to not like it all the time. Um, but <laughs> 
the thing about this issue is it feels that like there are fantastic parts where I'm like, hell yes, this is exactly what I wanted out of a weird offshoot book that's not the main X-Men storyline um, where, you know, where you run into stuff with Sebastian Shaw versus Emma Frost and the weird chess game that they're playing because it's it's just beautiful. I mean, the, the White Queen versus the Black Bishop and all this other stuff, It's to me, it feels like some classic weird 90s X-Men shit. And I think Dugan does that super duper well. The problem is all the stuff with Kate Pride out on a boat with her team seems mm-hmm. so superfluous. It feels so unnecessary to the story, even though I understand that without that bit, there wouldn't be a lot of the intrigue where Kitty Pride is gone and then she's back and she's trying to work with Bishop and everybody else that's on her team to try to figure out who's going to work on the red court and all this stuff that's it's required. It just feels so unnecessary because I feel like the characterization of a lot of the, the characters in this book aren't that good. I've talked about it many, many times before. This book is constantly driving me to and from X-Men all the time, so I'm never moving. It's always a stalemate. There's a chess pun for you. Um, <laughs> all I'm saying is that like, I, I love this book. I just it sometimes just doesn't need some of the action sequences. Really, this is a book about the the, the, the massive chess game, the 4D chess game that Emma and, and Sebastian Shaw are playing against each other, and I just want more of that. Um, I'm torn, but I cannot stop reading, so that's my pick for this week because it's the most controversial book, I think, on my pick as far as what I'm reading. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest, I misheard you and thought you said chess game. Oh, yeah, it's different. I mean, Emma if, Frost comic. I mean, listen, Sebastian Shaw, Emma Frost, chest game. I mean, like, there's something there. I think. Um, yeah. I feel like X Men Twitter is getting really horny, like off in the distance, and doesn't know why. Um, <laughs> X Men Twitter has always been horny. <laughs> it's, that's true. True. it's that's true. That's true. Um, well, cool. Well, you know, let's uh, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Dominic and Mark about why they're actually on the show, not just to yammer on about comic books. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back to talk about them. For our show this week, we are here to talk with Dominic Archer and Mark Casilli. We talked to them a little bit in the first half about comic books and stuff, but now we're actually here to talk about a boxer, a comic that they have right now up on Kickstarter. I guess, Dominic, let me ask you, how did a boxer come to be? What made this comic a thing that you wanted to put together with fantastic people like Mark and the rest of the group? And could you tell us a little bit about who else is working on this book? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I first thought of the book... Uh, at the end of 2018, beginning of 2019, I was living in China. And uh, living in China was super isolating. It was, uh, I was in just outside of a really big city, but it was me and uh, a lot of Chinese people. We don't share the same language a lot of the time. Like the only people I could talk to are my students, and that's not really, you know, good people to hang out with. So um I was listening to lots of podcasts and just kind of revisiting stuff that I, that I enjoyed to kind of pass the time. And while I was there, three of my students came up to me to say that uh, that they were gay and that they didn't really know how to talk to their family about it, that they were scared to talk to their family about it. Because China is a very family-orientated culture, much more so than uh, than the UK, at least. Um, where, but it's it's a strong family unit. It's very strange for you to be born in one city with your family and then just leave them forever. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the UK, mm-hmm. the U- I, like I can go without two or three years without seeing my mum, and she's mad, 
but it's like but it's it's not that it's not that strange right like as mark right. was saying it was like mark could go could go like go to the states and to amsterdam and to scotland but it's much more difficult to do that if you're from a chinese culture because it's more family orientated so to you to come out to your family and say uh i'm i'm gay which means at least in China, I'm not going to be able to get married and I'm not going to be able to have kids. That's mm. a like that's a really daunting thing to have to deal with. And yeah. there was a there was a UN study that found 15 percent, only 15 percent of Chinese people will come out to their close relatives uh, and friends, which yeah. is which. Yeah, which is crazy. So when these three students said to me, like, teacher, I'm gay and I don't know how to tell my family. It's like an incredible amount of trust. And right. um, uh, that they are putting in their relationship with you. So that was something that I was thinking about while I was watching movies and listening to podcasts and stuff. And I hit upon this uh, boxing theme podcast called Finding Drago, which was it's a very silly, very fun podcast. But from there, it kind of mixed with these questions about the student's identity, about my identity, like what the hell's going on with me? And all of this stuff just kind of collided into a book. And um, Mark and Gary, who's our penciler, we've been doing comics together for, oh, my God, for like four years, Mark. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, um, Jesus. But, but, yeah, I know. We're so old. But when, when we have a, a, Slack, a Slack social media channel together, and so what I will do is, like, if I have an idea, I'll just go, what about this? And if the response is more than, uh then I'm probably onto something good, right? So, so when when I pitched the boxer and Mark was like, "Yeah, actually, that is that's interesting. That was uh, that's a good uh, a good hint that we're 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 working towards something interesting." I think. Gotcha. And I guess maybe for those who haven't clicked on the Kickstarter link in the show description, could you tell us, like, give us a high level pitch of of the boxer or of a boxer and and essentially, so you you gathered this team together and then you got a very fantastic letterer for this book. Um, what made you guys finally <laughs> yeah. say, all right, we're going to put this out online? Yes. Yeah, so uh, a boxer is about uh, a gay fighter who is struggling between his sexuality and the hyper masculine world of combat sports basically mm -hmm. um it's he, we we follow him from being an amateur olympic athlete through to his professional career and uh, it's him with his partner his boyfriend who is also his medical assistant and the different worlds that they have to traverse and how who they are impacts their profession and vice versa um yeah when it came to putting a team together um which makes it sound like the a team um, oh, it is. Comic books, that's how we it, should it, think of it, comics. Yeah, it, it kind of is, yeah. Uh, as Mark Mark already shotguns being called the wild card member of the team. Because, <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, yeah he's, he's the wild card. Yeah, why? Yeah. So, uh, so Gary, Gary and Mark, I've worked together since we did the master's degree. They're like, yeah, the, my hmm. go-to um, just incredible artist. The art is incredible. The professionalism is incredible. And also having someone you trust with feedback is for me remarkably important because I hate being told that I'm wrong and I hate being told that what I'm doing is bad. So having, having people that you can trust to push you a little bit is, yeah, it's really important. So Gary and Mark are just, uh, always like, uh, that's a box ticked for me. Mm -hmm. Um, for our colorist, we have Amanda Miranda who is, 
uh, well, Mark, you're better off talking about Amanda than I am, I think. Sure, yeah. Amanda, she's, uh, she's a comics artist from here, from Brazil. She lives uh, not too far from where I live. And I met her at uh, various events that we did uh, here. And she's a really, really, really terrific artist and writer as well. And I always liked her style. And in the past, we did something together, uh, Dom, Gary, and I. And we asked her to color one of the stories that we did together. Mm -hmm. And we really liked the, the, the result. So, so Dom already had her in mind for a boxer when, when it was time to do it. Uh, she's, she's, uh, she's becoming more and more prominent in the, in the scene here. She's, yeah, she's won some awards here in Brazil for her comics. Uh, 2019 was a great year for her because she put out two comics and both of them were a step above from what she was doing before, which was already very good. So, yeah, I think I'm, I'm hoping her stuff will be translated and published somewhere in English uh, in the near future because it really deserves to find a broader audience. Hmm. Awesome. Very awesome. And so you guys also have, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to butcher his name because I butcher his name every single time I, I speak it. Um, you have a Haas. I'm going to say his name is Haas because that's how he announces himself on, yes. on, his, on his YouTube channel. Um, yes. But how did you guys come across Haas? I mean, he works on Panel X Panel, um, all sorts of stuff. I mean, the, the dude is prolific right now. I feel like he's exploded over the last year and you nabbed him for this book to do lettering. Yes, that was uh, the real the real coup in uh, in the situation really so it's hassan ottoman elhal is yeah is his full Thank name and uh he's he's incredible uh, <laughs> it's, the only, it's the only way to do it really it was one of those situations where i was looking for a letter for the book so i i initially was reaching out to other lgbt creators like um uh you know are you available or do you know someone who is available? And everyone I messaged was like, oh, I'm not going to be available until next year, but you should check out Hassan because uh, his work is great. And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll just keep messaging around because I, uh, I didn't know who he was at the time. Mm. And then after like the 10th person said to me, you should really message Hass. I was like, well, fine. <laughs> like okay, you know, okay. So there, so I uh, checked out his um, his bibliography, and he was like, "Oh, I've read that, and it's great. Oh, I've read that one too, and that one, and I actually, actually, I've read all of these, and they're all amazing." And mm -hmm. then, uh, it, then it was like, "Oh yeah, he's been nominated for an Eisner Award, and he has this YouTube channel where he breaks down comics." And as as Mark was saying earlier on, we have master's degrees in comics and graphic novels, right? So, like, when it comes to comics, like to making comics, we're pretty pretty nerdy about it. Um, <laughs> and then and then you and then I watch and then I watch Strip Panel Naked, which is the, his YouTube channel, and I watch it, and I'm just like, "Oh my god." <laughs> what, am I, what am I doing? And it's it's really really amazing because everyone I work with on the team, whether it's Gary or Mark or Amanda or Hass, they're all so good. They're all so talented at what it is that they're doing that 
it pushes me to be better because if I'm writing the book and everybody else is better on the book than I am, then it's kind of uh, I can't be the one that lets the team down. Right. So <laughs> it's 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 really inspiring to be working with with like a team that's so good because, yeah, I've got to really uh, pull all the stops out. Hmm. Gotcha. Well, Paul, Brian, I, I've been talking nonstop. Do you guys have any questions for these this pair? Uh, to maybe pick up on that that last point you were making about the team, the team effort. Um, you know, as someone who just reads comics has never attempted to make one, uh, that the uh, magical uh, relationship that happens between the creative team has always been mysterious to me. So I'm kind of curious, what's the sort of nut and bolts? You know, how the bread is made for your working relationship, the division of labor, and how you uh, how you come together to make the finished product there. Yeah, it. It depends on the how we're we're putting the pages together because I'm like the I don't know part of the job as being the writer is also project manager right so making sure everyone knows what they're doing um, making sure everyone's paid as well like other mm-hmm. other unimportant right. things like that but <laughs> unimportant uh, but yeah then, sure. <laughs> yeah you know like they don't they don't really need it no but when it um, <laughs> But uh-oh. but when it uh, when it comes, I'm calling down Gary to, right now. Oh no, don't do it. <laughs> Gary is the worst. No. So so when it comes to working with with Gary and Mark, we talk to each other about comics all the time. We're always sharing what we're working on. So when it comes to a project that we're doing together, it's very much a case of this is what I'm thinking. How do you visualize this? And then mm-hmm. this is my original draft. Do you guys have any changes? And then Mark will come in with the, the inks and be like, these are the inks. Are there anything that you guys would want to change? So the like the initial how all the pages are structured and being set out like that is very collaborative between the three of us. Right. Then when it goes to Amanda, um, it's really down to kind of Mark and Amanda as to how they are communicating as well because they live close to each other and they know each other and I've never met Amanda. So mm-hmm. these guys have a good working relationship that um that you know me and Amanda took, can talk a little bit, but then when we have all of that, I'm the only one that talks to Hass at the moment. So like when we're actually making the full graphic novel, one of the things I really want to do is to streamline that a lot. So that not so that I can be lazy about it, but so that <laughs> everyone can see where the book is going and then amanda for example can start working on ideas for colors like a long time before she gets the pages in front of her um outside outside of the script because otherwise everyone's just working off the script and then Mm -hmm. waiting for pages to come in but like one of the things that gary's quite liberal with adapting my scripts because he knows exactly what he wants to do. So, and that's fine because again, we have a, like, I trust Gary and I, I trust what he's doing with it. So yes, trying to form some kind of symbiotic creative team is difficult when, you know, Gary's in Scotland, Hass is in England, I'm in mm-hmm. Moscow and um, Mark and Amanda are in Brazil. But that that's kind of the fun of it as well is yeah, watching, yeah is watching like how this thing is evolving and how like the, the colors are the perfect example. I keep coming back to I had some bits in the script for how I wanted the, I wanted the colors to look and the artistic inspirations were kind of, uh, were from George Bellows, who is this uh, early 20th century American realist artist. As I said, I wanted to kind of capture some of that. 
But then Amanda just took that and went way beyond mm. what I wanted it to look like in my head. And mm. when the pages came in front of me, it was like, oh, yeah, how did she know? So there is a thing about working together, but also each person is bringing something unique and amazing to the team. And I don't want to cut that off. Right. Hmm. Gotcha. So, so Mark, I, I'm to completely kind of shift directions. Um, I, I'm curious to know how this this work, like for a boxer, is different than maybe some of the like solo comics that you've done. Like, did you take a different approach for how you're penciling and inking things, or excuse me, how you're inking things compared to when you're doing your own work? Are you just going straight to inks, or do you do pencils and inks and so on and so forth? That's a good question. I I like to think about each project as its own thing. I do have my my own tendencies that that you kind of develop when you work for a long time. But I try to go for references that I think will work with each different project. So in my own work that I, that I, that I write myself and draw myself, um, I usually go for Sandy Moore, Daniel Klaus, um, Adrian Tomina. Mm-hmm. And now I'm bringing some Matthew Kelly uh, influences as well because I'm changing... The, the tone of my work a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did this other comic that I, I used to do with a friend of mine uh, that I went for old comics as reference. So I, 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 I would color that one as well. So I, I would use like a no time, like 80s uh, X-Men color palette for that. And for this one, it's, um, I looked a lot at, uh, boxing films, um, more, mostly uh, Raging Bull, which is probably my favorite. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I talk to Gary a lot too because we're working together on this, and we have a good relationship. That he is penciling this more loosely than he usually does, going for broad strokes and really trying to capture the movement of the the boxing matches. Hmm. Gotcha. So each each project is a little bit different. Gotcha. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Like, I I don't know enough about inking to speak to it. I mean, like I think we said, we're all kind of comic book readers, less comic book makers. Um, but so we always find a lot of this stuff in, uh, really interesting. Uh, I guess for this project, are you using? Uh, are you guys using like traditional like actual pe- pe- pencils and inks and stuff, or is it all digital? Are you shipping like big eleven by seventeen sheets of paper to each other across the world? <laughs> Not I mean. Quite. Yeah, yeah, you you kind of joke, but it's not really that far off, right? right? Okay. Because right. I I I have uh, I have downstairs in Moscow, I have Gary's original pencils for this. Oh wow! Where yeah, so I was living in in China when I was writing the script. Then I went back to the UK and saw Gary, and Gary was like, "Here's the pencils," so I took them with me. But when because uh, I'm greedy, but when <laughs> when you go when when you guys are working together mark like gary does the pencils traditionally then he'll scan the pencils and then you'll take on them and print them out and then ink traditionally on top right something like that exactly that's exactly right yeah i i i don't work digitally actually i i I only ink traditionally because well first because i like it best and second because i don't really do very well with digital inking so that's all that's all traditional 
Very cool. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, I realized as I got halfway through that question, I was like, they live so far away. How do, how could this <laughs> yeah. be more? I, I never considered the idea of printing out pencils. That's a, that's a really interesting thing. So you've got a really high res printer down there, or something that you're using, right? <laughs> well, I don't personally, but there's a print shop nearby that oh, I use. So. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that is a very in demand print shop. Whenever we're working, and then suddenly, <laughs> I, I reckon they they must know. These guys must know when they're like, "Oh God, that Dominic guy's doing something again," because Mark suddenly <laughs> is walking away with oh, yeah, with giant. Yeah, they do. And uh, sometimes yeah. I'll go back. I could like, I'm sorry, but you haven't scanned this page quite the way I need it, so they have to redo it. <laughs> I see. I feel I terrible, see. but yeah, but I have to do it. So. <laughs> That's really cool. I mean, so but this must be. You said there's kind of a, a growing scene, or there's a pretty big scene, not growing, but in Brazil. Could you tell us a little bit about what that's like? I, I've like I don't know things because I'm on culture American swine. But um, could you tell us a little bit what about what the Brazilian comic scene is like? Sure, sure. Um, so, um, well, we we're a pretty big country, potentially large market. A lot of people don't have the money to afford comics and movies and things like that okay that has changed a bit in the past 20 years and as a result i think the market for comics and films has been uh expanding and in the last five to ten years some really interesting independent authors have uh starting to pop up and some of them start working abroad as well like you have like uh, Rafael Grampa, who mm-hmm. just did something, yeah, with uh, Frank Miller, and you have Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba, and those guys—they're from a previous generation. But you have some newcomers who are doing some quite excellent stuff, and then you have some small uh, publishing companies. I actually own a small publishing company with a friend of mine, and we publish my comics and. Uh, comes from some other people as well, which is oh cool, pretty cool. Yeah, like we do like some limited runs, about like 500 copies each time. But yeah, it, it's it's cool, and like we've been reaching people and expanding through to the rest of the country. And uh, and and now you're having like bigger and bigger events. We have like we, actually our Comic Con, which is licensed with the licensed from the from the. San Diego Comic Con. It's now it's bigger in attendance than the San Diego one, which is insane. Oh, that's because it started like they started doing it like five years ago, and it's just so massive already. So what you're saying is that the next big comic convention that this podcast goes to is down in Brazil. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> you we should totally learn... come. Oh yeah. <laughs> we should all learn nice. Portuguese and come to Brazil. Is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. You can stay can over I, at my place. Okay. <laughs> gonna have to All increase right. some Patreon levels if we're gonna be flying. <laughs> <Yeah. internationally. laughs> oh, that's that's really cool, man. I I mean, I, I'd love to check some of those out. If if you guys have any translated comics, or I mean, maybe you can push me even harder to to learn Spanish or Portuguese. I'd I'd love to check some of that stuff out. If you have some links, we should we should. I'll make sure to throw some of those in the show notes. Sure, uh, definitely. I'll I'll put together some uh, some recommendations for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Brian or Paul, I'll let you guys jump in again. Yeah, I guess my my big question, and this this goes back to me having no idea what anybody does on a comic book, uh, but looking at the sample pages on the on the Kickstarter, uh, how much of the the black background work is you as the inker, Mark, versus uh, the colorist? Uh, all the black was 
done by me. And then she distresses it and adds color as needed. But gotcha. if you look at the ink pages, I, I ink the whole thing. Uh, it takes, takes a while, but it pays off. I was going to say, that's got to be a lot of work. Yeah. yeah it, it's definitely an impressive look. Actually, like, there's a, there's a funny story about that. Because when I was in Scotland, uh, I was doing my own comics and my own pages. And I wasn't actually filling in the blacks. I was just leaving them and, like, indicating them with X's and whatnot. And then filling that out digitally. And then I, I was talking about that, saying, how, oh, yeah, like... It's, it's nicer when you actually do it uh, traditionally, but it's just so so much quicker this way, so I don't know what to do. And then Gary uh, told me, yeah, now that you do it digitally, you'll, you'll never go back to doing it traditionally. <laughs> and I was like, oh, really? <laughs> you know that, that story is the perfect encapsulation of their relationship. Right. <laughs> that, is the, that is the most Gary thing I've ever heard and the most Mark reaction to it. Just, just that is quite right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's so cool. Um, well, I guess you know we're we're kind of running short on on time here. I guess we're running out of digital tape. Um, Paul, Brian, was there any any final questions you guys wanted to get out of here before we wrap up? I, I, yeah, one one. Uh, hopefully, you can have a, a short answer to this. But I'm very curious. Uh, I know that sports comics aren't that well uh, known here in America. They're not that popular. I'm curious if there's any books you read that were sports comics that you know where you took inspiration from or kind of like uh, shaped your way of doing this story yeah some of the the big ones were actually looking at other lgbt sports comics because Mm. that's really where um through the lgbt it's not a genre i'm not entirely sure how to how to describe it but it's an lgbt wave of creators and content it's allowing comics to kind of go in other directions that they wouldn't necessarily be able to. And I think sports comics is a great example of that mm. because it, it is a genre that most people aren't really interested in. And then you go, aha, but they're gay. And people are like, okay. <laughs> and uh, sports comics is, is an interesting one. I think a good example is Fence. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. And Fence and Check Please are two great mm-hmm. examples of that. Check Please was like the biggest Kickstarter comic ever. It got like something crazy, like $90,000 or something just incredible. Oh, um, I, I think it's I think it was like close to almost like half a million or something. It's, oh, it's yeah, 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 yeah. I, when I say when I, yeah, when I say ninety thousand, maybe I'm thinking of nine hundred thousand. Oh, yeah, maybe, be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought no, that can't be right, but yeah, you maybe it is. Um, but because they they are reaching out to this audience, like the audience is interested in books that they wouldn't otherwise be interested in, is what I'm right. what I'm trying to right. get at. Yeah. Um, it's it's not that they're a sports book; it's that people are seeing themselves in the books. And right. one of the things one of the things I I found really interesting about Check Please and Fence Fence especially was how it normalizes the sense of the LGBT relationship within uh, within the books. So it's not like, oh, it's, you know, it's really difficult being a gay fencer. It's like, we're all open with our sexuality and the relationships are going to take place. There's no judging or anything like that. It's just like, mm-hmm. this is the world. These are the characters and they either love each other or they don't. And that was uh, something I found really interesting because I kind of wanted to take a, di- a direct contrast to that not in in a way that books you know there are there are a lot of very very well 
written and made movies and, and and books about the struggles of the LGBT community. So it's not like a boxer isn't saying, oh, it's really difficult to be gay mm-hmm. in the, you know, in, in 2020. Mm-hmm. But it's more about, yeah, the the personal journey of a character who is caught between the sport and the ideal world, which would be like Fence, right? If, if the, the world was like Fence, that would be perfect for him. But it's not. His his life is his life isn't like these these books, and that's kind of where where I was yeah where I was coming at it from was looking at the the world the the fence and check please capture which is like the the ideal future and kind of going right. we're not yeah we're not there yet. Hmm. Interesting. Gotcha. Well, cool. I mean, this is this has been fascinating stuff, guys. I, I look forward to. You can check out the bo- a boxer on Kickstarter. It's it's up run, up and running. I think as this episode airs, there's there's going to be at least a week or so left. So make sure you go and back it. It's it looks fantastic. Mark Dominic, this has been a fantastic conversation. I love saying fantastic. It's just my go to word. <laughs> um, so thank you guys so much for being on the show. If if folks want to find you on the internet, where can they check you out outside of the Kickstarter? Yeah, Mark, you go first. You're much more online than I am. Sure. Uh, I have a website which is under some reconstruction, but it's markcasilli.net. And I'm also on Instagram. Uh, it's uh, comics by KZ, the letter K and letter Z. And my website is uh, dominicarchercomics.com. I'm on Twitter at comicsarcher. And then on Instagram, I am domarchercomics. Very cool. Well, you can follow the rest of us on the show on the internet as well. You can follow Paul at Oh Hi Pauly. You can follow Brian at Brian Hadden. You can follow me at Mike Rappin. And the show at IRCB Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, where I try to post very often, um, or at least as much as I can. And this show is powered by fans like you on Patreon. We thank all of our Patreon supporters. If you want to upgrade your subscription or your patronage, or you want to sign up for it, go to patreon.com slash Podcast. If you join, you have access to exclusive audio articles, previews of our upcoming schedule, top of our pile posts, and much more. We also have our Goodreads group, which is a lovely community of comic friends. You can join our yearly reading challenge. Or comment on our weekly threads. I know I'm reading a headlopper for the reading challenge right now, and it's a, it's a good book. I would not have picked up otherwise. You can check that out at ircbpodcast.com slash goodreads. And while you're over at ircbpodcast.com, you can find our pronunciation guide, our Discord server, links to our zines, uh, merchandise, and everything else you want related to iRead comic books. And if you haven't already, and I don't know why you wouldn't have, please go ahead and rate and review our show. Give us five stars on iTunes and beyond, and we'll make sure to read your review on our next episode. If you have any comments, questions, suggestions, uh, recipes, reading recommendations, you can send them to us at ircbpodcast at gmail.com. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all the music for our show. We can't thank them enough. Go make sure you listen to their newest album. It is superb. Chef Kissy Fingers. It's that good. Uh, Xander is a high wizard. He's a great high fiver. He's a fantastic dungeon master, and he edits the show. He's a fantastic person. Uh, I want to say thank you to Mark and Dominic for being on the show this week. Thank you to Brian and Paul, as always. All you wonderful people out on the internet who chat with us and send us tweets and random things and DMs, we appreciate that as well. So thank you so much for that. And until next time, comics are good and so are you.